0: so it seems as though I've been taking a hiatus from my blog or my podcast, but I really have not. Um, So this week on that conversation, um, I'm actually going to discuss what I'm going through right now. Um, I'm a little bit discouraged with the current system that exists. Um, We currently have our loved one in a memory care facility that has a ratio of workers or at least allegedly has a ratio of workers that is one to four, which is phenomenal in this industry because what we have experienced as a regular and also because it is um, only required by the state to have one in 12 individuals. And anyone, anyone who is dealing with someone going through dementia knows that that is nowhere near. Um, sufficient for the, um, or adequate for the level of care that is required for someone going through this disease. So being able to find some place that could offer me one in four or even one in six, um, just was phenomenal. And being able to find a facility that was 100% black was extraordinary. Um, And I know for a lot of people, I, I do discuss that a lot. But cultural sensitivity to this disease is extremely important. So being able to find a place that, um, especially if it's going to be facility oriented, because remember, this is the point. My loved one didn't live in an institution all of their life. Um, In fact, they lived independently in a home for the majority of their life. Um, And. Being able to be in an environment that is as close as possible to that, I believe is very important in helping them to be more comfortable with um, their situation and to acclimate to their environment. Uh, the institution, no matter how beautiful it is, because don't get me wrong, the place that um, they are located is a beautiful facility, Um I have no, um, problems with that. I would say that the space that they have is adequate space as far as a private room and will be, and is larger (laughs) than the bedroom with the ensuite option they, they lived in. So it's not like, um, they're, they're, they're lacking in that space as it relates to their own personal private room space. (sighs) However, Um, there's a difference if you live in a apartment style environment, because even the nicest institutions pattern themselves after an apartment versus living in a home environment, which seems to be a lot more cozy and personable. And, um, so now I'm at this place where we're looking at having to make yet again, another, um, possible move from their current location on this journey. And um, just to give you a recap, this per- particular journey we've been on since 2016, um, the individual I'm referring to, and I'm, I'm not stating who it is for obvious reasons, um, to keep privacy and person personal information kind of separate to a degree, um, has been from uh, independent living facility, leaving their home, moving to an independent living facility in which they weren't able to physically be in their apartment until two months after making that decision simply because they went from hospital to um, rehab, skilled nursing rehab, spent maybe a day or two in their apartment and then back again from hospital to rehab, and then finally in their apartment for any significant number of days. So with that being the case, (laughs) it has been a challenge and that's just the first round. So they went from independent living apartment with assisted living level of care provided one. Once it was, only for half a day, and then it went to twenty-four hour assisted living um, attached to their um, to their independent living fa- um, uh, facility. So we went from that to having to go to a residential care facility that really was more like an assisted living facility. It was it was somewhat homey. But um, it still was extremely large uh, and more institutional feeling, except it did not have that um, attractive additional facility appearance, as well as there were some other hygiene issues. Um, Smoking was allowed in that environment, and um, it just wasn't adequate for the amount, the level of care they were trying to offer. They didn't even have a one to four, one to six ratio. Um, and on top of that, they were way outdated as it related to having adequate facilities for, um, housing people with memory care conditions. So that was a bust. Uh, So after that, we went from residential care, from independent living, residential care. And mind you, in between all of this, we're still going back and forth to the hospital and skilled nursing, which can be up to a month and a half process in and of itself. So after we left the residential care facility, we went to a memory care facility that was um, larger. And it was nicer as far as aesthetics go, definitely step up. But we went again to having one in 10 or one in 12 as far as care um, providers. And because we moved from one state to another, now we're dealing with a different law in place, which requires that you have a separate company having to handle things like the um, medication management. And that means a separate bill that you have to be responsible for as well. So although we have more options and more affordable options within their price range that's accessible to us, we now have an additional um, expense that we did not have to have from where they came from. And so it's also important to know what the laws are of the places that you're considering sending your loved one. Because on one end, or on a, you know, one end, it can seem like, you know, it's, I can get better quality care for a much more affordable price. But then when you take in consideration what other fees are going to be required, um, it may not necessarily be that way. So these are all things that we have to consider. I, I do apologize for the dings that you're hearing in this, um, which is why I like to make sure I take myself offline. And I did not do that. Um, but anyway, so uh, with that being stated, uh, um, we're paying way more money than we did when we started out on this journey. We are getting more assistance than we had because we weren't getting any, but because their level of care went from one level to another, Um, and they had VA um, non-service connected um, resources that were accessible once they got past a certain threshold in terms of their care requirements. Um, which assisted greatly. We would not be able to have them in the facility that they are in had it not been for um, the VA being able to assist with providing help with care. But again, their assistance comes with restrictions and requirements. So, you know, there are facilities that he would qualify for, for instance, just like there's a, a a financial need requirement, which they did meet, but then there's also you can't use this funds for any type of scenario that you're trying to put in place. So there are different restrictions depending on what kind of scenario you you're you're putting them in, and um, the current position for this particular. Um, service is that it has to be a certain type of home situation, such as um, assisted living, memory care, residential care home, possibly. But I, I believe there are definitely some stipulations there as well. And so knowing what is acceptable and not, I'm not sure. However, um, the bottom line of what I'm trying to say is simply this is um, trying to really adapt a location for your loved one who's going through dementia is a tricky situation. And especially if they have other um, risks. For instance, my loved one has a, a risk of falling. So this is something we know is going to happen. And it's going to happen a, a number of times. Um, and because there are certain restrictions and requirements, on facilities as it relates to contacting outside help, such as EMS. Um, this is another bill that you have taken consideration. And this is a bill we've had to deal with from the very beginning and throughout the process, and that is um, medical, as well as medical transport services and fees. So these are things that you know can easily become out of control as far as expense. So with that stated, we need to look at really being creative. And some of the things that have been going through my mind and something that I'm really looking into, um, probably as a precursor to something larger, is I'm thinking... For my loved one, how can I best create a normal environment for them? Because, and, and, and I don't believe that this is an issue that is, and in fact, I know it's, a, it's not an issue that just impacts me. Because on this journey, we found so many people who are in the same position, um, having to move their loved one from facility to facility for one reason or another, whether it's neglect, whether it's not getting proper care, whether it's not having ad- adequate activities, Um, whether it's affordability, whatever the myriad of reasons that you have a loved one who's not adjusting to an environment. One of the things in my research that has helped me today understand part of it is it's the environment that they're forced to live in. Again, remembering that a long-term memory is going to be a lot more Clearer to them than their short-term memory, if they're not used to living in an institutionalized, integrated environment, meaning they didn't, they weren't raised in, let's say, um, in um, government housing, they weren't raised in um, apartment living, um, before they developed whatever form of dementia that they've developed, they weren't living in a senior community. Um, if they're, the majority of their life has been independent and living in a home setting, then this is going to be a setting that's going to be a lot more comfortable for them and you'll find easier for them them to adjust to. The challenge comes in with, uh, with dealing with, establishing or, or putting them in a residential care home is, one, the location of the homes that are already available. And believe it or not, there are not a lot of them. Um, two, the quality of the homes that they have available, not just the quality of the care, which is obviously going to be the higher priority, but it's going to also be the quality of the residential home that you're putting them in. In other words, how clean are they? Um, how inviting are they? Um, you know, how attractive are they? Because here's the reality. you, if, if you are coming to visit your loved one in a residential care home and you feel sorry for them being there, how do you think they feel? Um, if if it could be, and and not to say I've seen this, it could be clean enough. It could be, you know, really good workers who are attentive to their needs and all of that. But if you going in there doesn't grab you in a way that makes you feel welcomed, make you feel at home, makes you feel comfortable, then it's going to be the same way for them. So, Being able to find uh, or create in this environment a space that's going to be welcoming to not only the people living there, but the people visiting the people living there. Um, Something that is large, but not so large that they can get lost because it is very important that a home feels like a home. You know, there are certain things that you want in your home and you want to have an open space. Um, you want to have a, a, a kitchen area. You want to have access to the great outdoors, meaning windows where you can see out. Um, so being able to have an, a, a home that floods the area with light, especially if you know they're in a position because of physical limitations where um, outside mobility may be limited and outside access may be limited. As much as you can possibly bring the outdoors in is going to be important. Um, to me, being able to have, if you, especially depending on your clientele, if you have people with limited mobility, being able to have something that has like a screened, um, all-seasons porch area where you where they can feel like they're outside, even if they're not all the way outside for, for safety reasons. Um Being able to um, have a space that feels like home. You know, you have a designated area for eating. You have a designated area for relaxing. You know, um, making your living room maybe more uh, closer to a movie theater environment or at least comfortability where you have lots of recliners um, as opposed to just regular couches that's seated around the the television or the big screen projector but also having maybe something like a a fireplace where you can kind of have cozy little pockets of space like maybe a um a sitting area you know it doesn't have to be super huge but maybe a sitting area that maybe just just off of the living room open concept living room kitchen area um Making sure, because again, we are dealing with people who have limitations, still having the railings on the walls so that they can get around. Um, Not having sharp edges on furniture, having rounded corners are going to be important. Um, Sturdy furniture that's not going to move no matter how much weight they may have to put on it. Um, Being able to have a dining room that um also it's like an outdoor space again if you have um which is what i what i envision is if you have a, a screened in outdoor porch area for instance or a patio area being able to have in that patio area um tables with chairs so it's like an outdoor dining space and being able to utilize that space as your activity area so that while they're outside or feeling like they're outside, they can still have the um, outside feel with structured activities that may keep them from roaming. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of homes, even that are ranch-style, one-level homes, have levels to them, meaning they have steps, whether it's two or three steps, you got to go up, get into the home um, as opposed to just having a flat level on the ground I'm sure a lot of that may have to do with foundation issues it may be easier to have a a pier home versus having um, a flat concrete floor Um, I could imagine also for reasons such as um, plumbing or um, all these other sorts of things that that may be more ideal however when dealing with people who, are, who have mobility issues, it's a hazard. So being able to find a home that at least, um, if you have to have a, a two-level home, in other words, maybe something that has a basement, but the majority of the, of the space is all on one level, with perhaps a access to a basement level that might be a separate dwelling which could be um, an, an, uh, an exceptional option if you wanted to combine a living space with maybe an adult daycare service where you may have um, transport services that can access the basement from the back and that still gives them a floor level entry. Um, and then that whole space could be used with maybe a pool table and um Um, other tables or separate room spaces for for different activities of whatever kind. Um, That's also an option. But for the most part, it needs to be where they don't have to deal with any stairs at all. So a multi-family dwelling actually would not be a bad idea depending on how it is actually structured and especially if you want to um, create a space that has multiple purposes, not just providing a home atmosphere, but also providing an adult daycare atmosphere. So as I was thinking about this process today, the other thing I thought about is the, the access to to life, to being outside of the same place. One of the, uh, I don't want to say concerns, but complaints that my loved one has about the facilities that they've been in is the fact that they feel like they're in prison there. They never go anywhere. And if you have anyone in memory care, you will find this to be a problem everywhere. Not only do they not give them a lot of access outdoors, if any, and there's a myriad of excuses why this hates place, which I believe the the highest reason is simply because, um, they're, the, they they do not have adequate uh, care, adequate assistance. You know, I can see where it can be a liability for them to go out on their own. And if you don't have adequate workers who can go out with them and you can spare them to be out with those who want to be outside, then I can see where there could be a problem, which really is the reason why, as I've told you before, if you've ever had a chance to, I highly recommend you check Amsterdam and a place called Hogway. Um, and see what they're doing. Um, Because what they found is that you basically need 1.5 on one to to each person ratio. Meaning you have more than one person to each person with dementia. And I'm not talking about just a warm body. I'm talking about properly trained, um, certified individuals working with these people who are dealing with this. In order to provide an environment where they can minimize the me- medication, especially medication for people who are dealing with, of course, their facilities dealing with advanced Alzheimer's. Um, unfortunately, there really is nothing that I found that is genuinely looking at um, dementia from a universal standpoint. Because dementia, although all Alzheimer's are dementia, not all. Dementia is an Alzheimer's issue. And so you have a spectrum of people who have different levels of, um, of cognitive impairment. And um, so therefore, their needs are going to be different. And in, in being able to provide quality care is going to look different. And um, so there is some customization that unfortunately is going to be required in order to make it more um, effective. So with that being the case, here's the thing. Um, there needs to be something in place that can meet the various needs. And this is, this is what I, my hypothesis is. And, and I firmly say this is if you are in my situation, if you have a loved one, who's going through different kind of issues and they're not able to find a place of comfort or peace or um, feel comfortable in the institutionalized settings that are already existent for senior care, if they are a person of color and um, not feeling like those needs are really being met or um, taken in consideration, then this may be an option Um, And that's for you to address their needs. And here's the thing. What I have been looking into and what I believe is the solution for this problem is being able to have a residential care home, minimal people involved, like literally like a home. In other words, nothing that's more than five or six bedrooms at most. You're not trying to have, um, you're not trying to recreate the institutional setting in a home environment. That's, part of, I think, the mistake that a lot of assisted living facilities make. Um, I can show you examples of places that my loved one has been, and they do look like a home. When you look at it from the outside, they like an extremely large home. Even the pitch of the roof gives you that idea and that impression. You come in, you have fireplace, you have a living room-like area, but then you have a lobby area, which kind of confuse it because normally you would now lobby in, in the home but it's no mistaking that that's what that's the that's what they are aiming for to give you a home feel but the problem is there's no escaping that when you're going down long hallways with all these doors on either side that this is not a home that at best this is an apartment <laughs> Um But this is not a space that is meant to make you feel like you're at home. So obviously, the next issue is that in memory care, in any facility that offers both assisted living and memory care, the memory care portion of the facility is going to be smaller. And it's going to be even more homier in the sense that it's going to be a much smaller environment. But it still is institutionalized because Although it's smaller than the assisted living space, there's no home where you're going to have 20 apartments, 15 apartments. And, you know, um, uh, basically like a, a dining room that looks like a banquet hall. This, this is not the, the setting that you have in, a, in that kind of environment. And so here is where... Having a home, a literal home, where you're dealing with maybe at most three or four people who are who have a different. Um, they're all dealing with a different level of dementia. They may be in different areas in their dementia. Some may be in an early state. Some may be in a later state. But you're only dealing with three or four. The the beauty of a home environment, if done properly, is you is. Is, is you can, it's more affordable. You're not have, you don't have the huge overhead that you have to cover. Um, you can hire people who are going to be holding to you. In other words, they're not having to fulfill the limited requirements of the um, institution who I'm telling you, these companies the only thing they're concerned about is meeting the government standard. Whether or not that's what's in the best interest of the patient or the client or not is of no consequence. If the government says you only have to have one in 12 workers, then that's all they're going to (laughs) do. That's all they're concerned with doing. And they could care less about doing anything more. However, in a home environment, you can you can vet everybody who who works for that person. Um, I ideally prefer a residential care home where you have a separate where is independent living with the um, assisted living care package added to it. Um, I like this both as one who's looking at opening one to address the needs that I have for my family member, but Also, I like this from the standpoint of providing more flexibility um, as well as um, more options, customization of your services. In other words, I think that anyone who's working with your loved one should be someone who their loyalty lies with the family. They recognize that their check comes from the family. They recognize that their um, allegiance goes to the family member who's paying that check. You have no middleman between that. And so, therefore, you can pick the person who will work more comfortable with that individual. If you hire a in-home care service, you have a lot less um, wiggle room. One, you have less wiggle room in terms of Fees, but two, you also have less wiggle room in terms of who's going to be caring for that individual because they're going to send who they have. Whether or not that person is a good match necessarily may or may not be, but they can only send who they have available. And who they have available may not be a good match for the person who you're caring for. If there's problems, and this is another issue you have to look into. If that company that the person who's working for you is working through, if that company has a problem with that individual, they can fire them. Next thing you know, you have someone who you haven't even vetted, you haven't had any kind of rapport with, that's now going to come into, step into the position of caring for your loved one. It's much better, in my opinion, for you to have the um, ability to hire or fire who's going to be working with your loved one. Versus having someone else be able to make that decision and that choice for you and you're stuck with it. So I like the flexibility of it. I like the fact that in this field, relationships and having relationships with people who have an allegiance to you is key and critical and being able to develop that relationship where you can feel comfortable that your loved one is in the best possible care, apart from you giving it yourself, is very important. Um, Secondly, again, you're not having to deal with that person who's caring for your loved one, being their attention being split. Um, They're having to figure out, okay, um, having to go between caring for your loved one and someone else who's in the facility, unless, of course, you're sharing one. In which case, for some people, that might be even a better option because of affordability, being able to split that cost by having one person care for two people in the same facility if they're able to manage that. But um, regardless, the, the point that I'm making is having a smaller environment giving more of a home feel to that environment um, is critical. Now, another option, which this is my thing, I want to do a residential care home, but this is not, it can't stop there. In other words, um, again, being able to have access to what is something normal which means to me any any residential care home package, which is to me the mistake that you also make in larger facilities, should have an offsite adult daycare um, component to it. And here is why. Number one, if you're dealing with 24 hour care anyway, this is gonna actually be much more affordable. But on the on the other end, the flip side, the second part of this that is um, important is it gives time for certain things. Like, in other words, if you're taking someone to an adult daycare or some adult daycare services come picking up your loved one and they're gone for eight hours out of the day, that's eight hours that you may be paying for adult daycare, but you're not paying for someone to be there caring for them. However, it's also a good time that you can now pay, get a separate entity to cover things like, um, Cooking, cleaning while they're gone. Things that may only take a couple hours to do, but needs to be done on a daily basis. So here you have during the working hours a day, you can have someone come in who can cook the meals. It's already done. Who can um, clean the, um, their rooms as well as the common area while they're gone. And that's not even something that has to be done every day. Clean the rooms has to be done every day. Clean the bathrooms have to be done every day. But clean the common areas are not essentially something that has to be done every day. But even if it does, you're still talking about something that may only take two hours and you can get with a cleaning service. So it's going to defray some of the cost, as well as put you in a position where you're not having to provide 24-hour care a day, which is going to greatly decrease your expense. Um, and the less work your workers have to do, the less is going to cost for their per hour assistance and the less the level of care you have to have, which means I don't need a, necessarily a, a, a LPN or a CNA. I could just deal with a home health aide who also could do some cleaning and things of that nature. But um, if I have them at adult daycare, especially one that has RN on staff, has an LPN on staff, things like making sure certain things are done, they can do. If it's a medication issue, they take their medication when they're at a daycare, morning and afternoon. Um, if they've got to have their blood pressure checked, that can be done while they're at the daycare. These are things that can be done when they're there, which means that's less the services you have to have at home. So what it boils down to is if all I got to have at home is someone to be more like a companion care provider, then I'm looking at a much more um, comfortable bill than I would be for someone who has to be a home health care provider in every way. So when we start talking about affordability, but we're also talking about the quality of the care at this point, because the one thing that an adult daycare can do in would specialize in, is making sure that they, one, have activities, um, so they're going to have their mind challenged. They're going to be able to have more liberty and freedom to roam and be outside and be outdoors and not feel caged in. Um, they may have off-site activities as well, but even if they don't, there's not the same issue you have in a memory care facility because just leaving from the residential care home going to the off-site adult daycare is leaving the nest. In other words, they get the ability to not feel like they're caged into their space. And you deal with a whole host of issues that you, you can now change. In other words, in a residential care home environment, the doors can be done in such a way that is easier for their memory aids and themselves. But not only that, if they're gone for the majority of the waking hours of the day, or the active hours of the day, you have less possibility of uh, residents going into other people's space. Um, obviously, my my thing is even if with a residential care home, as much as possible, one should encourage them not to be in their rooms. I, my my. Recommendation would be keep those doors closed after they leave that room. Keep them locked so that they cannot roam in that space. But the beauty of it is even if you don't keep it locked because it's a home. I mean, how often is it going to be possible for an individual to escape your view, especially if it's one-on-one care without you knowing it? You're going to know where that person is. So you don't have as much opportunity for your loved one to have things taken by other residents in, in the space. Um, also, one of the benefits of residential care homes is that you get to be more selective about who the residents of that home will be. Meaning, if you're the first one in that home, then, you know, like in the situation I'm, I'm personally looking at is, I'll get to vet who would be a good match to be a part of this home. In other words, if I know that it's going to be a problem for my loved one to deal with someone who is Spanish or someone who is white as a home resider, if I know that's an issue, if I know that if they are male, them having to deal with someone who's female or vice versa, if they are female, have to deal with someone who's male is going to be an issue, then I can make the home a home that's just for men. If I know that any of these areas, if age is an issue, if sex is an issue, if cultural background, ethnicity is an issue, then I can address that and say, hey, this is not going to be a good fit. If I know that um, this person is a wanderer and um, the person that I have my loved one. It may be OCD and and particular about where things are. I know it's not going to be a good fit. There's going to be tension. So what you begin to look for are people who are compatible with living together, who could possibly be able to fuse. Not to say that they're going to agree on everything because we recognize that this this is difficult to have even among couples, but that there's enough compatibility there that things that could, become um stressors for either resident can be addressed it's just like pairing um a roommate which i also believe should be done in these facilities don't, don't just stick anybody because they got a check in there with someone else because you may be you may be causing the headache um, people don't always just get along because they have to so being able to pair someone With somebody who they might have some things in common they might have similar personality traits these are things that are going to make for a harmonious living situation Um, and minimize the stress now um, certain other things to look at like I said Um, The biggest thing with doing a residential care home that I perceive would be the biggest problem is, again, making sure that the space is inviting. We wanted to be inviting not only to the people who are living there, but to their family members who would be visiting with them. Number two, making sure that the environment is safe. And, um, you know. This is essential. This is as important as the first. In fact, I would say they're a big tie to each other because um, you, you got to have things that's going to make everything accessible to them and, it, and help people be as independent as possible. If you know you have loved ones who have issues with falling, having um, a fall assist plan, having a um Having certain things like, like I said, rounded tables as opposed to sharp ends or edges. These are things that you have to look at. Um, flooring, choosing flooring that's going to have some give to it. So as nice as ceramic tile may be, it, it, it's going to be damaging to a person who falls a lot. Um, and take them down even faster. So being able to find a flooring that's both durable, easy to clean, but not um, a hard surface is going to be essential. Um, making sure that the space is safe for them in regards to certain things like um, having accessibility. And uh, if you deal with someone with dementia and they think that they can still cook, then obviously it's not going to be a good idea for you to have necessarily something that they can on easily themselves or if you're gonna have that having a way to lock that so that it's not possible for them to turn themselves and it's only usable for the people who um, who need to have access to that so um, that may be a matter of wiring so making the stove such that it can, like a light switch, when a light comes on, the stove is accessible so that at night you cut the light switch off, maybe you put something over it so that only you can access it so that that light that may connect to not just the kitchen but also to the functionality of the appliances is not accessible, it's not possible for them to, um, to use. And then even the knobs, making it so that you have safety locks on it so they can't just turn those knobs at whim or, or use it, you know, um, when you're not there. So part of that is that. My other thing is if with having a residential care home, it's not simply just making it safe in that regard, but also making sure you have accountability set up. And what I mean by that is having cameras. We have them in schools. We have them in all sorts of places. Having cameras is a great way to avoid unnecessary expenses as well as to begin to put together journals that will help you as a caretaker be able to up your game as it relates to loving your, your, um, your family member. Because now you can see, oh, this is how they feel. This may be something I need to move. I may, be a, I may have to adjust the, the way the furniture is because it's presenting a problem. So these are things that you can determine if you have things like a camera setup. up um, by having a camera alert system um, or monitoring service or security system where, hey, it's able to detect when someone gets up out the bed, having bed alarms. And then that alarm lets you know, hey, this person is up and moving. So somebody needs to go and see what you know what they need. Um, having a bed wetting alarm, even. Okay, this person is, you know, you're seeing where they're spotting, so it's time to get them up so they can take them to the restroom. So these are things that we can have in a home that's a lot more manageable when you're only have to when you're only having to worry about one worker on another. <phone rings> Another thing that I would highly recommend is making it welcoming also so that your workers are feeling welcome. Having a movie theater uh, atmosphere or um, setting works for them as well. So when it's lights out, they have a place they can go to. They can unplug. They can watch what they want to watch. That's within reason. Um, They could also use as their space for training. Um, that same space can be used for things like having satellite meetings. So, being able to provide an interactive technology space, um, and this is especially helpful for people who have loved ones who have long distance caretakers. Um, in my particular situation, my loved one is far from where I live. So, being able to have something that is like an interactive television where they can see me on a big screen and I can see them and be able to communicate with them, having that accessibility to be able to, okay, you can just WhatsApp me and post me on a projector screen so that they can see my face and we can have conversations. Um, that's, that's huge. Or even if it's not in a main area, if, when they're in their room, they can do that. You know, They can have a communication with me and all you have to do is have a worker set it up. So there are so many more opportunities that I believe we're not even considering because um, we're limiting ourselves to the existing structures and um, their low level of standards as um, being our only option. And so we can transcend this. Look, we're talking about, it's just like with your children. You just have to be a few steps ahead. You have to be a few steps ahead and think, what are some options? What are some things we can do? Having a backup plan. This is the next thing. In any situation, you have to have a backup plan. I think part of the fear of doing a residential care home is the fact that you don't have, you know, this big corporation that you can you know, take to court if something goes wrong. But that means that in your mind, you know something is going to go wrong. But what if you thought more like this? I can minimize the potential for error by putting my loved one in a situation that is going to give them the most peace and um, give me the most say-so, or input as it relates to the people um, taking care of them, then I change the game. And let's say this person, you know, hey, they get sick. This caretaker, they can't work this day. Have a backup plan before you even start. To me, this is the purpose of having an in-home care service. Like If you're going to have like a secondary plan, develop a contract with a company. To be your backup. So for instance. If your loved one. Um, caretaker gets sick. They call in. Or when they need a vacation. If you have on retainer. Just like you would a lawyer. Um, a residential care service. Who have people at whim Who you can call within a 5 or 10 minute notice. And say hey look. I need someone to get over there stat," And you just pay them. For the time that they are having to use then you can have that covered. You can have that situation taken care of. You won't have to be concerned about um, if something goes wrong, because you have a if something goes wrong plan that is foolproof. If a person that, who's caring for someone, because it's going to be unaffordable, really, if you're going to go through a care provider in that way to do it on a long-term basis, but if you know you have someone who says, hey, I'm going I'm to be sick for," or, or um, they're out, they may have a sickness that they know it's going to be a while or they may have to go have surgery, anything that's of that nature, and you cannot um, get someone to replace them that's within the same budget that you're already paying for the, for the, the person who's caring for them, put them in respite care. That's what these facilities are for. Take them there. If it requires a week, you pay a certain fee for that week. So if it's $200 a day, then you, or 100 a day would be better, but if you can get something that's around $100, $150 a day, then you already know for a week time, this is how much I'm going to have to pay. And then that's covered. So what I am saying is simply this. There is a way that this can be done and in a way that it could be done affordably. Um, the next thing is, and after this I'm gonna be done because this is, this is a lot lengthier than I expected, but I wanted to give you some things to think about and I didn't want to chop it up because it's, it's too important to put into separate segments where it can get lost in translation. But the next thing is having a fall assist plan. Um, there, are, there is equipment that is essential or that's helpful for being able to um, cut down on having to have someone come to the home from EMS just to help someone get up. Anyone who's familiar with this have ever had to have someone come just for um, stand up assistance? You know, a person is falling, they couldn't get up, the caretakers are not physically in a position to do it. What are they going to do? They're going to call EMS. EMS comes out, now you have to pay a fee just for someone to come out to pick them up. Not for them to go to hospital, but for them to stay where they are, but just to get them off the floor. So if you know that you have a loved one who's prone to falling and that this is going to happen at some point, having a residential care home that is equipped with equipment that will allow your worker to help that person get up without causing your worker to hurt themselves in the process, is going to be critical. So they do have, fortunately, equipment that can be used for this purpose that is not heavy, that is not cumbersome, but that will allow them to be able to, um, as one individual, help that person get up without putting strain on their back. And so having that equipment um, is something that every residential care home should have if they have people who are in that kind of position. Um, and having that equipment accessible and having that service accessible is something that if you are a residential care provider who have your own loved one in there, if people who are staying there with them has to use it, you can add as an additional service. In other words, hey, look, I can include in your fee because just having someone come out there is about $50 per visit. So, being able to have access to equipment that can help someone and the training for that equipment for your caretaker, being able to have access to that for maybe an additional $30 on your writ per month is critical. So, I hope I've given you some things to think about, Um, some options. If you are dealing with a loved one who's not adjusting well to an institutional environment, you may have to think about how you can be more creative. If you live in a place where there are abundant of adult daycares that are quality oriented, that's doing things actively and able to deal with people with dementia because that's another issue. You may be able to find adult daycare, but not all of them are really geared towards assisting people who have dementia. Some of them are mainly for people who are highly um, capable of being independent, but just need something like a club, some kind of um, structured activity to keep their minds sharp, which is more like maintenance, not necessarily um, uh, degeneration which is a completely different concept when focusing on caring for people. So if if they're not qualified to work with people with dementia and people who may have speech impediments because of dementia or stroke or trauma, traumatic brain injury or anything like that, then that's also going to be a challenge. You may need to find the daycares, but if they're not qualified to work with The loved one, then you you find yourself in the position I'm in right now. And I'm in a position where I'm feeling like I'm going to have to create the environment necessary for my loved one to be comfortable, but to be able to do so in a way they can afford it. And if I could do it without having to have, you know, them have um, roommates or a, a care home where I have to take in other people to make it a residential care home, I would because The challenges of running a business on top of caring for someone else is just an added stress that you don't need to have. But unfortunately, (laughs) that is not the road I, I need to take. But the benefit of it is this gives you an opportunity. In other words, if you are in the same position where you're living somewhere or your loved one desires to live somewhere that's not within distance to you, but you're needing to create an environment that's more um, structured but home-oriented, that's going to give them that personalized package for their unique issues, then you're probably thinking the same way because how can you make it more affordable? At least if you make a residential care home where those expenses are being shared because if you don't have the home, which we don't, Then now you're talking about you gotta pay a mortgage or whatever until you can get the home paid for. That's an added expense. That if you can share it, provides more more money towards things that are more important, like quality care. So now I gotta think about making sure I have someone who's gonna be good at cleaning, I gotta make sure I have um, security cameras, and someone who can make sure everything is the way it needs to be within the home having a daycare service where now my loved one is not held locked into their space but have an option to go somewhere else where they can um, have you know, structured activities as well as we can now minimize some of the expense as it relates to um, care. I mean, these are things that are serious issues, serious needs, but they need to be addressed. So if you find yourself in a situation where, look, I don't have the daycare that's near me that can meet the needs of my loved one. Um, I don't live near my loved one, but I recognize the importance of being able to keep things as familiar as possible for them. So not wanting to take them out of the city and home that they've known their entire life out of the area that was familiar to them. These are things that are important to you that you want to and and being able to have an environment that's welcoming to their family and friends who do live in that area that is indigenous to your family member. Um, All of those things are essential. All those things are important. All of those things are issues that can be addressed, but it's going to require you being creative and you basically creating the atmosphere that you want for them. And um, I'm hoping that this segment will encourage you in that um, we can't give up. You know, this is not someone else's problem. This is not someone else's loved one, whether it's a grandparent, a parent, a spouse. This is your loved one. And as much as we would love to be the one to 24 hour care for them ourselves, the reality is we are most of us are not equipped to do that. Most of us are going to be overwhelmed by doing that. And it's not even advisable because in most cases, part of the familiarity issue is depending on where you are on that level, whether you're the spouse or you're the child. Um, oftentimes they work better with somebody who's not you. Secondly, you don't want to make them completely dependent on you if they only want to work with you, because then it's only a matter of time before you're going to go down, because that's too much stress for anybody. So for a number of reasons, it's important to be able to have an environment where they can have different people on shifts caring for them and have a daycare environment which provides some um, level of normalcy, um, outdoor interaction to make them feel more a part of life and community and give them purpose, sense of purpose, and um, things that they can do. Um, It's going to be important to have that. So I encourage you to stay on top of it because, again, unlike if you were just a caretaker for someone else's family member, this is your family member. You can't give up. You can't just throw in the towel. You can't just say, I can't handle it. Because it's too challenging. You have to be in there. You have to be in the trenches. You have to continue to figure out what can be done and find solutions. And this is what I'm here to do, to encourage you that it's possible to find solutions. It's, yes, it's going to take work. Yes, it's going to take help and support and finances and all of that. But most importantly, it's going to take the Lord and he will give you divine inspiration on options and creative ways to find solutions that can ease the burden on yourself, but at the same time, provide a higher quality of life for the person you you love. So I hope today in this conversation that it was able to help you to um, think outside the box, consider some ways that you can combine some services and create a customized plan that would be beneficial for your loved one, regardless of what your ethnic background is, because like I said, this works for anybody. (laughs) You know, I'm sure people who speak Spanish will feel much more comfortable with Spanish speaking people in their home. Versus being with someone who speaks a language they don't even know or that's not their first language. So, you know, these are things that are universal in their concept in terms of revolutionizing the, um, the system of care we currently have. It's just a matter of putting it in place. So, again, I hope that this has helped you. Please continue to stay tuned because I will be taking you on this journey with me and as I find answers solutions and look for answers and solutions it is my goal to provide those for you as well so don't be discouraged don't lose heart don't faint but put your trust in the master and trust him to provide the steps because the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God and he delights in his way and I promise you that one of the first, the only commandment with a promise is to honor thy father and mother that thy days may be well with you. So do not think that your perseverance and your endurance and your doing all you can to honor your loved one, your father, mother, um, grandfather, grandmother, whoever it may be, your spouse, is going on, is not being seen by the but recognize that he is strengthening you and he's revealing these problems because you're going to be the one to help find the solutions. and that is what I hold on to is that you know I may be going through this place it must be because God sees in me a person who's going to fight for a solution and so do not lose heart do not give up no matter how challenging it may be because you are not